The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.
as we were driving on that day to, to, uh, to our destination to Pearl Harbor, we were trying to follow the, uh, the road signs and like driving in a foreign country is a little bit of a challenge at the best of times, but uh, we're following the, the, the signs to Pearl Harbor and particularly these, these signs that, uh, that said Joint Base PHH, which means Pearl Harbor Hickam. And uh, so we're following these signs and we eventually arrive at the front gate. And uh, at the front gate, there's this big guard box and all these soldiers. And this particular soldier came over and asked me for my driver's license and, uh, and said, what was the reason for our visit? And I said, well, well we're just here just to sort of, you know, as tourists, we've come to see Pearl Harbor, to sort of see the sites and that sort of thing and spend the day doing that. And he then said to me, he said, well, you're in the wrong place. He said, you've actually come to the military base and actually not the, uh, the tourist part of, of Pearl Harbor. And so he proceeded to tell us how we were to get to, to where we were going, and eventually we, we got there. The thing is, is you know, as we were reading these signs, it, it, it just reminds us, you know, that as we read signs, it can be sometimes really easy to, uh, to read signs and, and actually misread them in a way that doesn't get us to where we need to go. Have you ever done that before? You ever sort of try to follow signs and end up in a place where you think, how on earth did I ever get here? Yes. You know, in some ways, and what this passage here is teaching us this morning is that, you know, this can be a bit like what it is when it comes to, to a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Because we can know all kinds of things about Jesus, and we can have a, a level of belief in Him, but that which is actually insufficient. It's a faith that actually doesn't save. You know, in John's Gospel, we're working through this, these, uh, these seven signs that, that he highlights in Jesus' ministry that were actually designed to get people to arrive at a particular destination. And that destination is a right understanding of who Jesus is and the eternal implications that that then has for each of our lives. You know, it's, uh, this all fits in with, with, with John's purpose of writing the Gospel in the first place around the outside of the sign there, you see that these things are written so that you may believe. That's uh, John, uh, this is, uh, we're quoting John's uh, Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 31, where John actually says that he wrote his Gospel and all the things that he put in his Gospel, all of the accounts of Jesus and his work and his ministry, he, put, he wrote all these things down so that as people read these things about Jesus, as people come to understand who Jesus is, that they will believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. John's whole purpose in writing. But sadly, there were those who misread these signs. And consequently, they missed seeing the truth about Jesus and experiencing the eternal life that is found only in Him. You know, the surprising thing about this is that these people who missed it were the ones you would actually expect to get it in the first place. Um, back in John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, Jesus you know, hints at this, this wrong kind of, of belief, this, this insufficient faith when, he, when it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name, speaking of Jesus, many believed in him when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people 
and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And what John is pointing to here is that Jesus knew that these, these people's belief was more about a desire to see the spectacular, to see the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the signs and the wonders and the miracles that Jesus was doing, and they wanted to see those rather than actually recognizing Jesus as God's Messiah, as his Savior King, and then to submit their lives to him. It's in the account of, of, of the healing of the official son that we've got before us here in, in John 4 that we see a great example of, of what starts out as this insufficient kind of faith in Jesus, but which ultimately results in the genuine saving faith in him. And, and not just for this man, but for his whole household. It's an account of what true faith in Jesus really looks like. The kind of faith that Jesus is actually looking for in people. And it's also an account of, of, of how that kind of faith actually develops. So as we pick up the story in verse 46, we read that Jesus comes again to Cana in Galilee. It shows a bit of a map here. This is the northern region of Israel. You can see the purple arrow points to uh, this little town of Cana, uh, just to be uh, on the, um, you know, the left-hand side of the screen there. So it's basically between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea there. It's actually in the, uh, in the hill country. And we're told that not far away in Capernaum, where the red arrow is, there's this particular royal official, this government official, possibly a part of, of Herod's court. And he, he has got a, 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 terribly, a, a, a terribly tragic situation that is unfolding in his life. His son is dying. Now, we're not told you know, much about this boy at all, but it's interesting that, you know, in the, uh, the original language, this term that, that, that's used for this man's son is a really endearing term. And this man is, 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 is faced with one of these most horrendous kind of tragedies that anybody could face, you know, in life. Any parent who has lost a child knows the depth of this man's grief and hurt and despair of what's, of, of what's unfolding in his, in his circumstances. And we mustn't lose sight of that here, too. It's so easy to read through this passage and just gloss over that, just to read over that, you know, that this man had a, had a son who was near death and, and really not take in, you know, the, 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 uh, the enormity of, of the situation that's going on before in this passage. This man is desperate. And so in desperation to save his son, this man does the only thing that he, that, that he knows is it can possibly actually save his son. And he goes to this man called Jesus, this man who he's heard about, this miracle worker who's, who's in Israel and he's been performing all kinds of miracles, you know, in and around you know, the northern parts of Israel and also down and around Jerusalem. He needs a miracle to save his son, and he needs a miracle, and he needs this miracle worker. And so he comes to Jesus in this capacity. And here is a man of, of much, uh, of, of, of a very high position, 
of, of a lot of means, but there is but not even that can do anything to help him. He needs Jesus. And so as he comes, we see that his faith is based solely on what Jesus can hopefully do for him. And it's what we might call a foxhole faith. That is, it's a kind of faith that is born out of desperation, but which can quickly evaporate once things are okay. You know, this man knows that, that Jesus can, can possibly fill a need that he has, and so he goes to him purely on this particular basis. And as he comes, we read that when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him. That word ask is actually he begged, he pleaded, and he continued to beg and plead with Jesus to come and heal his son who was at the point of death. Can you picture the scene? Can you picture this man who is just, there's going to be nothing that gets his way. He's, he's just singly focused on getting to Jesus and, and, and begging with him, pleading with him, please, Lord, come and save my son. You're my only hope. You're my last hope. And we say, Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Seems kind of a bit of a harsh kind of comment for Jesus to make to this man, doesn't it? You know, in initial reading, you kind of think, Jesus, Jesus, that's, that's, that's a bit cold. That's a bit heartless, don't you think? What Jesus is doing here in, in, in these words, and by the way, he's not just speaking to this man here. That word you is in the plural. So he's actually speaking not just to this man, but all who are in earshot and, and, and seeing what's going on before them. But Jesus' words do is they, they point out the insufficiency of a faith that is based on signs and wonders, on the spectacular and the impressive. And folks, this is the danger for any belief in Jesus that requires a demonstration of his power to sustain that faith. You know, we need to be careful that our, our faith in Jesus is not dependent upon seeing signs and wonders, of constantly looking for that, that emotional high, that emotional hit from Jesus, or looking for that easy fix to our problems through perhaps some of some miraculous intervention that Jesus might bring. One of the dangers there is for us as Christians today is that we kind of can start treating God like a bit of a, a genie in a lamp, you know? You know, the, you know the Aladdin? You know the Aladdin story? You know, when something starts to go wrong, we, we need we need someone to come in and, 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 and fix our problems, we start, you know, treating a prayer a bit like the, the lamp. You know, we sort of get the lamp off the shelf and we start rubbing it in the right way. You know, we sort of start forming these kind of prayers in our head to think, how, you know, what kind of prayer can I use in order to get God to, to bow to my wishes? 
when we, you know, we, we, we come to God and we, and we, we kind of say, Lord, we're in a bind. We need, we need you to work, Lord. We need you to, to, to just come and miraculously fix things. And then when things sort of, all of a sudden, you know, sort of, maybe God does, you know, God, God works in that kind of situation, perhaps not in a miraculous way, but He does actually bring about a, a, a resolution to the problem that we have. Then we just put, put the lamp back on the shelf again and we just go back to, to living life, you know, and, and really not give God much of a second thought after until the next crisis is up. And then we're back to the we're back to the land to be now. What Jesus is trying to get into here, you know, he's sort of saying, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You know, that, that kind of faith, just looking for the signs, the wonders, just kind of treating God in this way is, is, is not the kind of faith that God is, is wanting to see in us and from us. The kind of faith that God is looking for is that is, 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 is to know that Jesus is indeed the one who demands our worship as Lord. Not treating him as though he's our little genie in a bottle. But these words of Jesus, they don't, or they, they don't you know, just sort of challenge this man on, on, on this level of faith. But what they do is actually invite him into a deeper level of faith. Because Jesus wants his, his hearers to see beyond the miraculous signs and to grasp what it is that these signs actually point to about him and his identity. That he is God's promised Messiah, that he is God's saviour king, and that with his coming, the kingdom of God has arrived. You know, our faith, folks, needs to be anchored in who Jesus is rather than any, any miraculous work that he might do. Well, even after hearing these words, the official continues to beg Jesus to come down. In verse 49, says, the official said to him, Come down before my child dies. This man had a, had a real clear perception of how he thought Jesus needed to, 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 to fix his pressing needs. Jesus needed to go with him. He needed to go with him to his house. He needed to be in the physical presence of the boy to heal him. That's what the man's thinking here. He says, Jesus, come down to my house and heal my son. And how often do we make that same mistake? Thinking that we know best as to how God should act in certain circumstances to alleviate our suffering, to meet our needs, to fix our problems. But as we start to treat God this way, what we do is we start to place ourselves above God. And we start to, 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 to put ourselves in a position where we judge Him according to our so-called wisdom and understanding and according to what we deem is right and good and fair. And that's not our place. We can't presume to think that we can put ourselves above God and expect God to work according to our plans, according to our purposes, according to our wishes and desires.
this man's faith, it started off as this, this foxhole faith, this, Jesus, I just need you to come and fix my problem. And I need you to do it in a way which, you know, I think you should do that. And that was not the kind of faith that Jesus was wanting to see, not only in him, but in all whom Jesus was, 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 was declaring himself to be. He was missing, this man was missing something of, of profound significance and importance when it came to his faith. Because what he was doing is that he was approaching Jesus purely on the basis of having Jesus submit to his wishes. When in fact, true faith, genuine faith in Jesus must re- actually need to result in the reverse. It needs to result in us trusting Him and obeying Him even when His plans and His purposes don't align with ours. And in fact, even when those plans and purposes even go in stark contrast to what ours are. His faith started in as this this foxhole faith. But in verse 50, we see quite a significant challenge. Where says, Jesus says to him, Go, your son will live. Again, actually, in the original language, it actually, it, it actually says, Go, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. And so what we see is he's moving now from a foxhole faith to a fuller kind of a faith in Jesus Christ. You see that in verses 50 to 52. Because the difference now is that he's not only, he not only trusts Jesus you know, to be the miracle worker, but he's starting to actually trust Jesus at his word. He's actually starting to believe what Jesus says is true, not just you know, in, in his miracles. He's beginning to understand something of, of Jesus and his authority. No longer is he just a miracle worker, but instead he is someone whose word can be trusted. And folks, this is significantly important to us today. We who, who, who only generally have the word of God to elicit belief. Of course, that's not to deny that, that God can't, you know, still use signs and wonders to draw people to Himself in, in faith. But you know, living this side of Jesus' death and resurrection, and having the, the New Testament writings, you know, we we, we, we have these things that, that, that can actually point us to the validity of the truth about Jesus, His identity, His kingdom, His plans, and His purposes. In fact, there is ample literary and historical evidence to confirm the biblical witness about Jesus to those with minds and hearts ready to receive it. Now, like Jesus did with this official, he calls people to trust in his word, to believe it, to act on it, to obey it. And that in itself is evidence of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. John chapter 20 and verse 29, you know, Jesus, um, this is after his, his uh, uh, um, resurrection, 
and the disciples, of, his earlier teaching his disciples, that Thomas wasn't there, and, and uh, Thomas says to his disciples, unless I see him from him with my own eyes, unless I put my hands in, in the wounds in his hands and in the, in the wounds in his side, only then will I believe. And Jesus comes to, to the disciples again, and Thomas is there, and, 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 and Thomas is able to see Jesus for himself, and Jesus invites him to do just that, to put his hands in his wounds. And Thomas you know, falls down in worship and says, My Lord and my God. But then Jesus goes on to say, He says, Have you believed because you have seen? Well, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's us. We don't see Jesus in the flesh for ourselves necessarily, but what we see, we encounter Jesus through his living word. And as we as we as we read the word of God, as we under, come to understand what it is saying about Jesus, we come God's purpose is that we will come to that point of believing that Jesus is indeed the Savior. Like John's whole purpose in writing the gospel. You know that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and may have life in his name. In first uh, Peter chapter sorry, second Peter chapter one, verses three to four, we read these words. It says that he that is God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. See what Peter is saying here is that we access this life and godliness that he's referring to here through our knowledge of God. And that knowledge comes to us through his word. The very word that, 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 that points us to Jesus as God's Son, as God's Savior. But it also comes to us through his divine power as he works, as he enables us by his spirit, his indwelling spirit to understand his word and to respond to Jesus by faith. Now, it's interesting that you know, it's, it's not immediately noticeable as we read through this passage that there is a distinct time difference between the time that Jesus tells this man that his son lives to the man actually finding out that his son is actually okay. Look in verse 50, 51 and 52, where it says, as he was going down, it's going down from, from Cana to Capernaum, down through the down through the hill country, down to the uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the the seaside there at, uh, at, the, at Lake Galilee. He says, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday. Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. This man waited a whole night before going back to Capernaum to where his son was. See, he trusted Jesus' word so much that he didn't immediately know that he had to rush back to see if his son was okay. But when he meets the servants on the road, they confirm to him that yes, his son lives. And as this man takes Jesus to his word, we see his faith move from the, 
Foxhole faith to that full of faith to a stand faith. This man's faith in Jesus was bolstered by the fact that his son was cured. And it was cured at the exact time that Jesus said to him he lived. And what this led to, the man, um, led to in, in the life of this man was that his faith then became such that he was absolutely convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. Because he didn't even need to come down to the house. He could heal his, his son from a distance, from, from a town away, from 30 kilometers away. And what Jesus had said was indeed true. And that not only led this man to come to a saving faith in Jesus, to become to a firm faith in Jesus, but it led to his whole household coming to faith in Jesus Christ. See, folks, faith is a journey. It's one in which Jesus wants to move us from a weak and insufficient faith to a confident faith and trust in Him. But our faith grows only as we learn to trust Him and obey Him, obey him more in our lives. And faith is a journey with different starting points. For this man, it began with a crisis, his son's illness. And it was this that led him to seek out Jesus whom he had heard to perform these miracles of healing. But having encountered Jesus and his assurance that the boy would live, this man's faith grew from trusting in what he heard about Jesus to trusting in the word of, in the, in the word of Jesus to then believing in the person of Jesus. And ultimately, folks, this is the journey that God wants to take us all on because ultimately what He wants is for us all to come to that point in our faith where we trust in the person of Jesus and submit our lives to Him, recognizing that He is God, that He is Lord over all, that He has absolute authority over all things that our response to this must be to worship and obey Him in every way. But the confidence we have in that is this. It is in knowing that Jesus is a loving, compassionate Savior King. He knows. He knows us. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your hopes, your fears, your anxieties, your doubts, your sin, your shame, your failings, your lack of faith. Jesus knows all these things about you. And yet in His grace and compassion, He continues to pursue us, to draw us to Himself, to invite us into that place where we will indeed trust Him with every aspect of our lives no matter what. You know, Jesus will do whatever is necessary to grow us in our faith, even using the most difficult and painful of circumstances to, re- to deepen our relationship with Him. But His character and His Word remind us, though, that in the midst of this, 
He is good. And His purposes are always for His glory and our eternal God. And perhaps you know, right now, this morning, you might be finding yourself going through some pretty difficult and traumatic times. Some pretty significant and painful challenges in your life. Can I encourage you this morning, in the light of, of, of passages such as this in the Scriptures, not to, to get lost in the pain and the hurt, but instead to, to see through them the tenderness and the kindness and the mercy of God as He uses these things as a means to draw you to Himself. as He encourages you to put your faith and trust in Him, to trust Him at His Word, that ultimately to find your peace and your comfort and your joy in Jesus as your Saviour and your King. Folks, let's not forget here as we read this passage that the, the real and most pressing need in this story is not the need for the man's son to be healed. But for this man and his household to come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, to be healed spiritually. The pressing need wasn't the physical healing. The most pressing demanding need was the spiritual healing that needed to take place in this man's life. And folks, this is the greatest need for each and every one of us. Now, as this man comes to Jesus, we see that, that Jesus answered his prayer quite quickly. But that not, might, may not be the case with you. And in fact, probably in the majority of instances, that's not the case. There are many times that Jesus will not answer our prayers in the way that we would have hoped. But that doesn't mean He can't be trusted. Because it's at these times that we are called to trust Him because of who He is. Not, sorry, of who He is and because of what His Word says, not just what we think He can do for us. And we can trust that Jesus has good reason for acting in the way that he does, even if we cannot understand it. You're finding yourself in those kind of circumstances today. In light of our passage this morning, Jesus calls us, calls you to trust him, to trust his timing not to doubt His love and His care and His concern for you. But in all this, having that knowledge that He acts according to His good and perfect character. If this passage teaches us anything today, it's that belief in God cannot be dependent upon Him doing stuff for us. Because in fact, what, you know, He's already done the greatest thing imaginable in providing a Savior for us. 
and giving us the means to be reconciled to the Holy God, having our sins forgiven and having that wonderful hope of eternal life and of His presence with us day by day in our lives. Our faith cannot be dependent upon God doing stuff for us. But this passage also reminds us that we must not become consumers of religion, looking for a God who will serve us rather than, than, than us humbling ourselves before Him, the Creator and the Sovereign God, the glorious God who is all-powerful and almighty, who is robed in splendor and majesty, who sits enthroned above all things. It is Him who we need to come to and bow the knee to regardless of what, what He chooses to do in our lives or not chooses to do. this passage calls us to also test ourselves to see if we really do have this kind of genuine saving faith. You know, it, it asks us to consider who Jesus really is to us. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the, the genie in the lamp? Is he the one we come to when, you know, we're the last resort, hoping that, you know, he'll just come in and, and solve the problem? He'll be our, our, you know, our superhero that we pull out of the cupboard? Or will he indeed be the one whom we are willingly and readily seeking to humble ourselves before? ready to, to, to place ourselves in His hands. Is He just there to serve your needs and wants? Or is He really your Lord and your King? The one whom you are to bow before. The one whom you were made to honor and serve in every aspect of your life. Faith is a journey. But are you seeing signs in this journey of a growing desire to submit more to Jesus? Are you seeing that in your life? Can you point to the examples of that in your life? I pray that that is faith for you. Because, folks, when it comes down to it, that is. The true test of genuine faith in our lives. That regardless of the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in, regardless of whether you know, God chooses to, to act in, in ways in which we think we should, we are just willingly and happily ready just to put ourselves in His hands and say, Not my will be done, but God. And I pray that's the kind of faith that God continues to grow in your heart and Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are so patient with us. That you are so loving and merciful towards us. And that you have a wonderful and amazing 
plan and purpose for us in our lives, and that is for us, Lord, to have this kind of faith, this firm, convinced faith that you are indeed the Lord of all, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that, Lord, that we are your servants, not the other way around. And, Lord, help us to go from this place this morning, Lord, with this kind of faith in mind, and seeking the help of your Holy Spirit in our lives to bring us more and more under the submission to your authority, your will, your way, trusting that you are good and perfect in all you are and do. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.